Ladies and gentlemen, coming at you from New Jersey, the capital of misery, and the place where metal forgot to die, this is Here Lies Metal, the podcast that brings you the origins, history, and culture of everything metal. I am Maledictus, and I'll be your overlord for today and all of eternity. This week, we've decided to include a concert review which I'll be glad to share with you, the listener, anytime I catch a show. You can check out my written reviews and concert photography at monkeygoosemag.com. At the House of Independence in Asbury Park on February 8th, last Thursday, I saw High on Fire with a band called Dutch Guts opening for them. Now, uh, this is appropriate because this particular show is about, it's going to be about doom metal. So what a perfect show to do a review on preceding this particular podcast on Doom Metal. Now, Matt Pike, like I said, is completely ridiculous. And I've never, I've seen High and Fire before, but I've never been this close. I was like right there underneath him as he was spinning and sweating on me. This man just plays his guitar as ridiculously as possible. All right, if you really watch him play, he is really not even trying. He is just going up and down that fretboard somewhere and it just happens to be in the key what needs to be played but it wouldn't matter anyway because he plays so loud that you you can't hear the bass but not only can you hear the bass you can't hear the drummer over this guy's guitar sound it is all about the guitar of matt pike and his massive orange rig and he is going at full throttle for the entire show now it's about matt pike's guitar nothing else it's the matt pike guitar show and, and it's good it's loud. I mean, it was so loud, my eyes hurt. He was so loud that even Chuck Norris was here. That's how fucking loud this was. I mean, I've been to louder shows, but this guy, for one guitar, can really dominate the entire room. But otherwise, like I said, it was a great show. And by the way, Matt looks great ever since he quit the booze. I mean, he's much more energetic. He's looking good. He's losing weight. Um, he's gonna live. He's not gonna die like the rest of these guys. He is gonna live. And we can't wait to see him with sleep again, I think, this summer. I think they'll be on tour again. So that'd be cool to see them again. But hey, High on Fire, great band. Um, extremely energetic. I couldn't hear anything he was singing. Like I said, his guitar overpowered com- every other sound in the place. Um, and op- an opening for them, I wanna give these guys a shout out. They are fr- they're a local band from North Jersey. And these guys are lucky enough to open for a band like High on Fire to open for the uh, the shirtless legend that we call Matt Pike. And uh, this local band is called Dutch Guts. And I believe they're from around here. They come from, like, I think it's like Montclair or something like that. And they have a very I Hate God sound. I mean, their songs are longer and they have probably a lot less words than I Hate God. That's what they remind me of. They, they seem to be very based on that very sludgy sound. So if you're in the North Jersey area, check out Dutch Guts. I'm going to give these guys a shout out. They're really good. I was talking to the singer, I can't remember his name. However, um, he was telling me about the band and how he runs a small venue in Montclair called the Meat Locker. Uh, you could probably check them out there then. I think that's where they probably dwell. That's their little cave, that's their hideout. But Dutch Guts, a uh, pretty cool band. If you like the I Hate God sound, check out Dutch Guts. Good talk, people. Good talk, good concert reviews. I'll do them again anytime I see a concert. I will tell you about it. And I'll also probably write about it on monkeygoosemag.com. That's where you can find my articles in photography. However, uh, this 
this I wasn't officially sanctioned for this particular show. I was just seeing it from my own leisure. So and I could share what I saw with you. And once again, this was at the House of Independence on February 8th in Asbury Park, New Jersey. And like I said, here lies Metal Show. Is that of New Jersey, the place where metal forgot to die? And now it's time for the news. These are a few stories that the metal media at large has been covering all week. So if you haven't heard them already, get ready for the maledicted spin on these stories. We've got a death, won't notice. We, we can't get away more than one week without somebody in rock and roll dying. Uh, the drummer for Mr. Big dies. So back to the grind. Pat Torpey, drummer of the post-hair metal band Mr. Big, passed away due to complications with Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's disease last Thursday. Mr. Big was mostly known for their sappy acoustic ballads during the 90s. Uh, such as the song Be With You uh, from their platinum-selling album Lean Into It. Mr. Big featured super guitarists and bassists uh, by the likes of Paul Gilbert and Billy Sheehan. And uh, this is the kind of band I like to classify as post-hair metal, like I mentioned before. Now, what's post-metal? Maledictus classifies post-metal, post-hair metal. Um, he invented this term. Um, these are bands that stayed true to that 80s hair metal sound. Even though grunge was going strong in 1991, 1992, these guys, bands like Mr. Big and Extreme and Slaughter and Firehouse and Saigon Kick, they didn't, they didn't get the message. Like nobody sent them the memo that the music they were doing was about to, was, was dead already and they were just beating a dead horse. So they were still involved in this where other bands were changing or just playing grunge like bands like Alice in Chains obviously turned grunge they used to be hair metal bands like Pantera used to be hair metal but they were going on full-on pretty aggressive metal at that time you know people wanted a more negative sound people were pissed off in the 90s they were angsty and uh, they didn't want the guitar solo anymore they wanted lethargic grunge and um, they wanted simple music again that's it's a cycle and it'll happen again and then music will go back to complicated, and it'll go back and forth, back and forth. It always happens. It's normal. And these guys were on the wrong side of it. Anyway, it's not good to make fun of this guy. He unfortunately died. He's probably a very nice guy. He was only 56 years old. Pat Torpey. Rest in peace, Pat Torpey of Mr. Big. In more sad news, this is very recent. This is today. Judas Priest founding guitarist Glenn Tipton will be stepping down due to his past diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, which was... Uh, kept secret until recently. Um, he will not be joining them on their upcoming Firepower tour in support of their latest release, Firepower. But um, they will con he will continue to play in future studio recordings. So he's not out of business yet. He's still okay to be in the studio. And as you know, Glenn Tipton is a founding member of the band. He's been in the band since 1974. He's now 70 years old. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease 10 years ago. So he's been carrying on with the disease, playing a couple of tours in that time. Um, following other founding guitarist K.K. Downing, who retired from the band in 2012. Um, so now we have only got, for, for original members, we've only got Rob Halford and Ian Hill as sole remaining original members of Judas Priest. Everyone else is not an original member. So um, Tipton will be replaced with uh, Firepower producer and Hell guitarist Andy Seep. So let's... Uh, Give a hand out to Andy Seep and hope he can carry this tour. I'm sure it'll be no problem, but it'll, we'll miss Glenn Tipton. He was the heart and soul of the great band Judas Priest. So let's hopefully 
Like I said before, people, these bands are getting old. We're going to lose them. And I, th I think I said a few weeks ago, we're going to lose Judas Priest next, and it's going to happen. You know, we're losing Slayer. I think Judas Priest is next. I don't want to rain on anyone's parade, but this is the truth, people. Like, this band, they're, they're getting old. Like I said, Glenn Tipton is 70 years old. I'm sure Rob Halford is up there, too. So we're going to have to find new bands, people. we got to find, we got to make a new Judas Priest, all right? We, we've got to start over and keep this cycle going and stop relying on these old bands because they're not going to be with us forever. Let's move ahead. Um, in more news, in happy, sad news, um, and I, I'm sorry to all the people out there that hate Metallica. I've been told by certain um, callers that I should stop talking about Metallica, but however, they made the news more than once this week. Um, officially, it is Cliff Burton Day on February 10th. Now, Cliff in in officially in Castro Valley, California, the birthplace of Cliff Burton, it's made official by petition, and Cliff Burton would have been 56 this year, so a few days ago, February 10th, is official Cliff Burton Day, and Cliff Burton was a, was a great bass player, I think. He really added a lot to the genre, and only imagine what he would be doing today if he was still around. I doubt he would be still with Metallica. I think he would be onto some super doom band by now. I think Cliff Burton was a real talent and an amazing, one of those amazing rare people that you get one, one in a million years. So we worship Cliff Burton still. He was the best thing that ever happened to Metallica. In more Metallica news, uh-oh, uh, this one's funny, okay? I know, too much Metallica, I'm sorry, but we got to cover this one. This one's funny. Frontman James Hetfield, yeah, 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 will star in his first acting gig in the movie... Uh, titled Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, where he will portray the arresting officer, he'll play a cop, that arrested uh, the famous lady killer, Ted Bundy. I believe he had killed a large amount of women, kidnapped, raped, and killed. It's one of those guys. I believe he was in Florida, right? And I believe he went to the electric chair, Ted Bundy. However, who is Ted Bundy going to be played by? None other than the former heartthrob teeny bopper, Zac Efron. It's funny, I used to, when I was younger, I used to work on, I used to do uh, production work for teeny, teeny bopper magazines, believe it or not. That's right, Maledictus was a scribe of different means back in the day. And young Zac Efron, back when he was in some series called High School Musical, used to always grace the covers of these magazines and now he is playing lady killer a different kind of lady killer ted bundy and james hitfield of course plays the arresting officer in the movie extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile now like i said you can't make this stuff up people i've got to see this okay next story uh finally uh-oh we, we're, we're only talking about annoying people today ozzy osbourne oh here he goes again and, and Sharon is propping him up again. Poor Ozzy. Um, Ozzy will be announcing the No More Tours 2 tour. Uh-oh, we're doing it again. He's retiring for the eighth time. And this is in reference to the first time he retired in 1992. I remember that. I was there. And then he didn't, of course, because he's still around touring. Um, this is obviously, it was a massive media stunt. Ozzy only increased in popularity after that and released five more albums recording, um, following his retirement, his apparent retirement. 
Ozzy Osbourne has claimed this second attempt at retirement following his official retirement from Black Sabbath last year. Um, This will in no way end his 50-year-long music career, he claims. Only major tours. Uh, Call me again when Sharon props up Ozzy's walking corpse. Okay? Once, (laughs) she'll she'll keep propping up this guy after he's dead um, a few years from now. He'll be like, Ozzy still needs to make us money then. And uh, she'll be propping him up. And he'll be like, You know, Ozzy is poor Ozzy. They just keep him up there. And uh, he doesn't get a break. No rest for the wicked, Ozzy. All right, Ozzy Osbourne. Keep touring, I guess. Make Do it one last time. Make a zillion bucks. You know, thanks to Sharon. But, you know, you have to thank Sharon. If you like Ozzy, you have to thank Sharon. Even though she's kind of rude to other bands. I know Iron Maiden has no love for her at all. There's a story about that. Maybe we'll tell it one day. But that's the news for today, people. Uh, we've got all that. So we got some sad news. We got some funny news. We got some good news. But today we are here to do a podcast. So let's get on with it. Oh, before we do the podcast, let's make a shout out to a few more people. We had to like, we had to thank Chris from Long Island again. Um, he's always helping us. He's always giving us insights about the podcast. He's telling us to stop talking about Metallica which I won't talk about in this episode. I only have to talk about them in the news. I'm very sorry for mentioning Metallica. However, uh, we thank you, Chris, for for listening to the podcast and being so interested in the podcast and giving me recommendations about subject matter and facts or fake facts or wrong facts that I've given you. I also want to thank other listeners like uh, Ron down in South Jersey. Ronald is always listening to the podcast, giving me feedback. Uh, he's a big fan. So shout out to Ron. I mean, these guys are as big music geeks as your scribe to metal melody because these guys know just as much as me, if not more. So they could be so useful if I had them on the mic here. It'd be great. So that would be great. So shout out to those guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Keep listening to the show. Uh, write into the show. Give me ideas. Give me things you don't like. If you don't like what I'm talking about, let me know. That goes for all of you out there. Uh, Herelazmetal at gmail.com. Tell me what you think about the show. Tell me what you think. If you have any more subjects you want me to talk about, anything you want me to talk about, if you have a band or something, you want me to plug you? Hey, what the hell? I, I've got, I've got no, uh, I've got time to plug your shitty band. So tell me about it, and uh, maybe I'll talk about it. All right, let's get on with this podcast. Today's podcast is, of course, about the evolution of doom metal. And I know you've been waiting for this particular podcast, and we're going to get into this right now, and we're going to get to a lot of detail. This might be a long one, people, because. Um, there's a lot to talk about. There's a large, a fairly large 25-song playlist to go over. I, yes, right. I couldn't narrow it down. I never can. So 25 songs. So but let's talk about the history of doom metal before we get into the playlist. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Here Lies Metal podcast. And today's subject is the evolution and history of doom metal. All right. So what do we know about doom metal? Most time we when we think of doom metal we think of one overplayed band what are they called repeat after me black sabbath mr maledictus that's right kids black sabbath now but can't we do better than that obviously black sabbath had a major role in the foundation of what would become doom metal now black sabbath of course is not a metal band they weren't metal yet they were sort of like a dark blues band i think we can all agree on that However, they set the pace for, they set the tone, they set the theme, the lyrical theme, and they set the riff for what would be 
the future of doom metal. And of course, a lot of bands would enter the cult of Sabbath worship, which still goes on today. And there are a lot of bands throughout the evolution of metal from 1969 to today that are guilty of constant Sabbath worship. And that's fine, I guess, but there is a lot more to Black Sabbath. There's a lot more to do metal than Black Sabbath. And that's why we're doing this podcast. Obviously, I could have just ended it and said, Black Sabbath, we'll just play the whole Black Sabbath catalog. Which, by the way, is the first four albums of Black Sabbath are really what represent Black Sabbath's doom sound. I think from Sabbath Bloody Sabbath on, we're getting more to a bluesy hard rock sound. I think we can agree on that. Black Sabbath stops becoming doom at that point, becomes more of a hard rock band. They start introducing synthesizers and things like that, and their songs become a lot more fun. The uh, cocaine habits increased by tenfold. Their cocaine budget went way up on from Black Sabbath Bloody Sabbath onward. And by Never Say Die, it was basically just a very tired, old, coke-fueled band that sounded pretty good, actually. You could hear it in their sound. You could hear the cocaine in their damn sound on Never Say Die. And you could hear a band that's about to just implode. However, it's a great album. It, it, there's a lot of feeling in that album. That's the, that's the feel that they captured. It's sort of like a feeling of rock and roll desperation. But it's a great album. Now, of course, Sabbath represents the mainstream of metal at large today. I mean, when you think of metal, if you don't think of Metallica, oops, sorry, I said Metallica, you think of Black Sabbath or Iron Maiden, but Black Sabbath is one of those historic bands that will never be forgotten in the entire history of the human race. What about bands that inspired Black Sabbath and, and bands that were contemporary to Black Sabbath? You might have blues, you might have dark-themed rock and roll, and of course you have the primordial roots of doom, which is that old Delta Blues, and we're going to cover that. We're going to get into that in the in the playlist. Let's get into the geography of doom metal, because this is an important uh, factor in your environment. I always like to talk about environments of music, whether you're in America or Scandinavia or Germany or, or, or Japan or, of course, dismal old England that, you know, a lot of where, where most metal came from, you could say. Because it's all an environmental thing. So England, of course, once again, the dismal and bleak setting, um, of course, is responsible for a lot of doom music and metal in general, we can agree on. However, um, I think the first doom, the first true roots of doom, the first evidence of doom came from America, American blues. And there was even bands in Japan that deserve credit, and we're going to go over this. Um, of course, we have bands, you know, after Black Sabbath, of course, like uh, Sir Lord Baltimore of New York. They had a very heavy sound, and this was one of those forgotten bands. And there are so many forgotten bands that we're going to cover in today's playlist, uh, many of them from um, the United States and other countries that were completely forgotten. And these guys, if they were not eclipsed by Black Sabbath or Deep Purple at the time, they would have been something because they were way heavier and way more legit in their influence on Doom. And I'm sure the, a lot of the Doom bands today know about these bands. I'm sure they were heavily influenced by these bands we're going to talk about. And not all these bands are going to be in the playlist because, like I said, the playlist is, of course, 25 bands long and we cannot get everyone on this playlist, but we're going to mention some of them. Uh, bands such as Lucifer's Friend from Germany introduced a more dark approach to Prague. Now, this is sort of built on Prague. This is maybe where Prague went into doom, and Lucifer's Friend's a very good example. Of course, they are from Germany. 
Uh, we have bands from Iceland, such as Ice Cross, Ice Cross from Iceland, which had a um, very blues-based sound, uh, a very dark and heavy blues-based sound. These are more bands that we couldn't fit on the playlist, so we're going to talk about them now. And these, of course, were very obscure bands, very short-lived bands as well. They didn't last long, so it's amazing that we still have record of them. It's amazing just because of the internet probably still can find these bands, otherwise they would have been long forgotten. You know, vinyl long disappeared. So that is really what we get out of the geography of Doom. We have Doom coming from all over the world. Doom over the world, as uh, Reverend Bazaar says, right? So we have different genres of Doom now. And I think this is kind of a debatable topic. And there's some genres that I take more seriously than others, and others I just consider arbitrary. And we're going to go over that. Now, first, one thing I want to make very clear here, and this is might piss off some people out there with my genres, my genre classification in Doom, but I want to class... A lot of people um, like to say Doom Stoner Metal. No, we are just going to do Doom Metal here. I am going to consider Stoner a different kind of metal, and that's going to involve a different type of band and a different set of bands. Um, Doom Metal, of course, is involved involves a more darker sort of occult and satanic theme of their songs. Much darker sounds, more dissonance, slower heavier, whereas the stoner rock bands are singing more about good times. Like, for example, the line between stoner and doom, and I want to keep these two separate, uh, bands such as, these are more of the bigger names, but these are going to, I'm going to consider these stoner rock bands, and we're not going to cover them at all today. Bands like the Melvins, of course the Melvins are very complicated, it's very difficult to classify the Melvins under doom or stoner. I don't really know where to put them, but we're going to call them stuff. We're not going to put them in Doom at all, though, okay? Um, bands like Weed Eater, Orange Goblin, Acid King, Caius, and Clutch, these are stoner bands. They're not really singing about evil things, really. They're singing about muscle cars and skateboards and space and deserts and sci-fi and, and tripping on acid, things like that, rather than more demonic and satanic and witchcraft-based or horror or Lovecraftian themes that we find in Doom Metal. So that's where the difference. Doom Metal, think of Doom Metal as a horror movie versus like an action movie or something, or a, or a space movie. Stoner bands will get their own show. We will do the Stoner Rock show where we will cover your favorite stoner bands, all right? But this episode, we're doing Doom. Dark, evil, occult-themed Doom. As the scribe of metal, it is my duty to carefully compartmentalize the many blessings in the forms of great metal bands that were given to us by the metal gods. As any subgenre of metal, there must be many different paths and roads leading to sub-subgenres and so on. Doom metal is no different. The subgenres of doom have been well established over the many generations and don't happen to need any revisions by myself, Maledictus. I think whoever classified Doom into the current subgenres we have of Doom, I agree with most of them. Um, but let's go over them. First, we have traditional Doom. Vanilla Doom. Just Doom. Give me a cup of Doom. Black. No sugar. Black Doom. With no sugar. No milk. That's how I take my coffee. That's how I take my Doom. Traditional is Doom at its most basic form. It's the sound we picked directly up from Sabbath and their contemporaries. 
the first true doom metal bands of a new wave of British heavy metal era, who really just followed, who really just picked up on the Sabbath sound and continued it and kept the torch burning. Uh, it's blues-based. It's solo-heavy, likes guitar solos. It's dark-themed, but not always slow-tempoed. Uh, bands uh, that, in, that are pioneers of the traditional doom sound would be St. Vitus, Witchfinder General, Pagan Altar, Sirith Ungle, and you'll have second-gen acts like Electric Wizard. That would be an, a fine example of a more 90s traditional doom. Though a band like Electric Wizard incorporates a lot of drug references, so someone might try to fit them in the stoner category, um, they always uh, put drugs in line with satanic ritual in all their songs. So I'm going to keep them as doom. Even though they sing a lot about drugs, they always involve Satan in their drugs. So that makes them doom. All right, we're going to take them out of stoner and put them in doom. They get to be in doom. All right, they have a very dark, evil sound too. Not, they don't have a good time sound. So they will stay in doom. Um, bands like Cathedral from the 90s, um, they are a perfect example of 1990s doom. Um, we have current traditional doom bands that like to exhibit more of a retro sound these days. There's a lot of the doom bands today are doing, they're trying to sound like old bands um, back to the roots, like bands like Uncle S and the Deadbeats and Orchard. It's bands like these that are using authentic equipment from the era of the old days and recreating that sound. A lot of bands from Sweden are doing that too, you'll find. Next, we have a very slow form of doom, but not the slowest, but uh, this is called Funeral Doom. And if you have a lot of time on your hands, you can listen to this stuff. Uh, if you want to maybe go to sleep or maybe you're working or something and you don't want to be bothered, you don't really want to change your music, you just want to have some background music, Funeral Doom, okay? Um, this is an extreme form of doom that seems to have its origins in the land where grass is ice. Finland, Norway, and Iceland. Mostly Scandinavia this stuff comes from, but not only. Uh, it's slow as an Arctic glacier and usually tuned down to A, but um, it's not binary like, say, uh, drone metal. We're not going there yet. It's also not afraid to use synths or even the occasional orchestration of strings. Um, these dirges of Funeral Doom exist in the catalogs of second-generation bands, mostly like um, Finland's long-defunct act of Thurgathon, and current bands from Finland called them, like Skepticism. And uh, this one I discovered in my research, and this kind of really took me by storm and made me very happy. Proudly hailing from my own hometown of Lyndhurst, New Jersey, Evoken, which is a very notable Funeral Doom band of today. It's very well recognized. Funeral Doom is a genre that doesn't appear to exist before the 90s. I cannot find any real evidence of actual doom that slow before the 90s. So it is a second and third generation thing. And next we have Sludge. Sludge, of course, is a subdivision of doom that could claim its roots in the swampy, humid, and whiskey-fueled metal scene of the southern United States. More accurately, the Big Easy. Now, heavily influenced directly by the classic sounds of Sabbath, but combined with a virtually polar opposite sound and attitude of early hardcore punk, like bands like Black Flag, a 
particularly My War Side B. I think we got to do an episode on My War Side B because this is so significant to a lot of people. I didn't realize how significant this side of an album was to do music and sludge music and people in metal in general, but we'll talk about it another time. Bands like The Misfits, The Bad Brains, um, and Discharge. The sludge sound might be categorized by deeply detuned sound, though played with heavy emphasis on groovy riffs, riffs with a little bit of a flavor to them, likely hard-coded into the DNA of every metalhead below the theoretical Mason-Dixon line. It just happens naturally with guys who have a little bit of wiggle in their guitar, you know? They have a little bit of wiggle in their band. It's, uh, it's groove. We don't, we don't have it up north. Despite uh, the slow connotations of the word sludge, you think sludge is something that moves really slow. It's like sewage crawling through a pipe. But this type of doom doesn't fear beats per minute over 60. In fact, um, they play some pretty fast songs because they have a lot of influence from hardcore punk, which really picks up the tempo sometimes and, you know, gets people crazy, gets people dancing. And bands in this genre, of course, include I Hate God, Crowbar, Acid Bath, Down, and a few more. These bands are mostly from the South, though they don't only come from the South anymore. They are sludge bands from all over the world these days. However... It seems to be the nexus of the creation of the sludge scene. It seems to be New Orleans, Louisiana. New Orleans, Louisiana. Next, we have Drone Doom. It's pretty self-explanatory. Drone. If you have lots of time to kill, say a long day at work, and you need to space out, you don't want anyone to bother, you just want to put your headphones on, Drone might be the subgenre of Doom for you. Now, detuned as low as possible, and BPMs rarely exceeding 50, but usually averaging around 20 for most songs. 50 is like a fast one. It's like, whoa, we're picking it up here. Hardly necessary BPMs, as drone bands rarely incorporate annoying things like drummers in what appears to be an effort to prevent people from abusing addictive opiates, as these songs can act as a safe substitute to opiates. Yes, if you need to pass out, you need to just zone out. You need to just sleep. Drone will do it. These frequently vocalless, instrumental, and binary-corded anthems of mass suicide can be identified by mainly two notorious acts uh, named after large astronomical bodies in space and defunct amplifier bands that doom guitarists seem to obsess over to this day. Or both. With names like Sun, O, parenthesis, 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 spelled complete with the logo uh, of the defunct amp. If you remember Sun amplifiers, I think they stopped making them in the 80s. However, they're pretty big with the Doom guys. Everyone's going to have a, it's like, look, I have a Sun amplifier. I don't know if they even sound good, but everyone seems to worship these things. That'll, they, I think they just, someone told these people they needed one, so they had to have one. I think a lot of the Doom people out there are in it for the look. I've got to call them out. You know, it's like, hey, look at all these orange amps I have. I'm not making fun of Matt Pike, but there's a lot of guys that just use orange amps. Do they sound good? I don't know, but they're orange, so they have that stoner. They have that perfect stoner look to them, don't they? Yes, I believe these amplifiers are called boutique amplifiers. There's all kinds. There's oranges, there's greens, there's blacks. They have all kinds of colorful names. They're colorful, but they look good on stage, don't they? Use what sounds good to you. It's not all about the look. If you want to use a plastic area pro pedal, it might sound good. It might be the best thing you ever bought. You never know. There's another band. I, I was going to rants. I'm sorry. You have bands like Sun, O, parenthesis, 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 and another band called Earth, which 
mostly is uh, in the drone realm is a little less ridiculous than sun i mean they're a little more tolerable than sun sun you I tell you what sun puts on a great show though if you want to just space out and do some acid and watch these guys dressed in these dark occult robes and and play on stages with very ominous backdrops sun is is probably a pretty cool band to see but otherwise if you like just have no visuals or just listening to them on a record or something you know and i think one song will play like their songs average 10 minutes at the least they're usually a lot longer so if you have a lot of time in your hands you can listen to sun and if you're listening to them on a record you'd have to just like have a couple of records i mean i imagine one of their albums is probably like four records or something so you'd have to just keep flipping the record so it'd be kind of annoying i'd recommend listening to a, on like mp3 because listening to it on record you have to really do a lot of work all right enough with drone metal my explanation of drone metal was almost as long as a drone song next we have epic doom epicus doomicus metallicus of course and of course there's pretty much only one band in this genre well no, probably not but i'm only going to talk about one band um it's mostly a scandinavian form of doom you know hence this band with origins that happened probably after the new age british heavy metal era um, combines the obligatory sound of Sabbath with grand arrangements and some of the most epic riffs in history. Riffs that you will never forget. You hear that riff and you're like, oh yeah. Um, like I said, I only give one band the right to exist in this mostly arbitrary genre. I think this is an arbitrary genre. It's not really how official is it necessary. I don't know. And the band that created this genre... Uh, by the name of their legendary debut album, Epicus Dumicus Metallicus. And I was actually considering naming the podcast that, uh, the Epicus Dumicus Metallicus podcast. Yeah, no, not very original, but that, that's one of the names I had in mind. And uh, a band being, of course, um, that we're talking about, of course, is Sweden's Candlemass with humongous operatic vocals brought to you by none other than Messiah Markelin and their debut album in 1986. Uh, you should watch the video for Bewitched. I will put it up. I will actually definitely put that link up. It's a fun video. And you will understand what Epicus Dumicus Metallicus means. If you have any other examples of Epicus Dumicus Metallicus, let me know. But uh, as far as I know, only Candlemass gets to be in this arbitrary genre of doom. We could really just put this genre as traditional doom. But when you have a band like Candlemass with such a riff uh, that oh, it, that's the introduction to Bewitched, that's just like one of the best riffs in all of Doom, I think. You know, you know the riff. So we'll put the video up, though. So that covers all of the genres. The catalog, the pre-catalog genres of Doom that have been accepted by all of us metal scribes. I accept it. I accept these genres. I'm not going to make any more. I'm okay with them. Now we have to talk about the actual playlist. Let's get an explanation of the playlist we're about to go. I know, we're ranting, but this is going to be a long one. All right, let me give you the explanation of the playlist, the 25-song playlist that we're about to play. I have to explain it before I actually do the playlist. I have to give you the preamble of the playlist, which will be more words for you. So I like to talk a lot. This is going to be a long episode, but it's very important because you all love doom metal. So you want to know everything that Maledictus Describe of Metal has to tell you today. So... Here it goes. Now, let's examine the evolution of doom metal from the primordial Delta Blues 
created under contract with Satan himself, to the early rock and roll hellraisers that were causing satanic panic before it was cool, to the dark psychedelic sounds of the 1960s where drugs and Satan formed a partnership that would threaten the very establishment and tear down the walls of 1950s Puritan values. The 70s would give us the first indications of metal, and with that, many different genres of metal would form. Black Sabbath would eclipse most other dark-themed bands that dared challenge the giant, many bands that we will bring a well-deserving light upon for the sake of this podcast. These bands would be the unsung heroes of the genre today and power the next phase where doom was officially established as a, sub, as a subgenre during the new wave of British heavy metal era in the late 70s. This was the first golden age of metal, and the origins of a group of Sabbath-worshipping bands that would choose to accept the burden of doom that had long been abandoned by their heroes who retreated into the hard rock scene as the true metal sound was breaking out into the mainstream. These were the first generation doom bands. In the 1980s, doom thrived in its own dark realm, while mainstream metal became an MTV-inflated bubble of debauchery and glamour on the verge of bursting. Meanwhile, the doom scene gained momentum, safely in the underground dungeons where media scrutiny was non-existent. And these forbidden sounds of the great trailblazers powered the scene. The moment you forget about the rock and roll, your end is near, the clock starts running, the countdown starts. That's a quote from me, Maledictus. And that was what happened when the metal collapse occurred in the early 90s. A lot of these bands lost sight of rock and roll. And therefore, rock and roll came back and bit them in the ass in the form of grunge. And of course, eventually grunge would have followed the same fate. It's, it's really a cycle. It just never ends. Uh, there's a new scene in music. It starts out good. Fancy gets inflated. And then it gets destroyed and taken over by something else. Maybe it gets taken over by the thing it killed. It's funny how that works. Upon the massive crash of the mainstream metal at the hands of the simple and gritty lethargic sounds of grunge, doom metal was presented with an opportunity to emerge from the dark dungeons of St. Vitus and Treble into the light, but never challenging a new and rather confusing set of reigning metal kings of the 90s, such as names like Pantera, and a recently Black Album releasing Welcome to the Mainstream Metallica. Doom would now enter the darkest and heaviest phase in its existence during this decade. A new set of legendary bands that would directly shape the current sound of Doom would break and even lay down the roots of a widespread hipster appeal in Doom, which would be most prevalent during the next century. In current day, where the Doom genre is as strong as ever and closest to the mainstream as it's ever been, partially due to the fact that metal fans in general exist in the middle age, middle class demographic with jobs and families. As I've said before, they seek the nostalgia of their youth as therapy to their daily miserable existence and cycle of work family bills until the grave. Ironically, another demographic that also unusually elevated the doom genre to such a status and popularity in modern times 
are the bearded and tattooed millennial hipsters of gentrified urban dwelling that pride themselves in obsessing in music they considered obscure to the mainstream. In effect, transitioning the doom genre closer to the mainstream. Isn't that ironic? Many bands that struggled to fill small clubs in the 1990s could sell out halls in minutes nowadays. With big ticket festival shows such as Psycho Las Vegas and the Maryland Doom Fest, not to mention tongue-in-cheek, satanic-themed Brooklyn spots like St. Vitus, which happens to be a good place to see bands. I'm there all the time. Isn't that ironic? It appears that Doom has become the new black for the past decade and shows no sign of fading among the music-obsessed millennials, who most of which weren't even born when their favorite bands cut their first records. However, it is in addition to the many bands of the last generation now receiving well-deserved recognition, this century has brought us a new generation of Sabbath worshippers, many of which experiment with a retro sound down to the gear and recording method. They take it very seriously. They're trying to capture that old sound. A lot of bands are doing it. That's the new thing today, especially from Sweden. Many of the contemporary Doom acts also appear to emphasize their artwork in an almost vinyl-dominated media market in what appears to be an eternal contest in who has the most colorful, retro-psychedelic, illustrated album artwork in the genre. I must say it's good art, but I feel it's become sort of an arms race these days on who can have more creative and artistic album cover in the scene. But additionally, upon Black Sabbath's recent retirement last year, it can be argued that, that Sabbath worship among many modern doom and metal bands alike is at an all-time high. Finally getting credit, where credit for much of today's metal is totally warranted, However, the purpose of this episode of Here Lies Metal was to give recognition to those unknown and forgotten bands that dwelled in the shadows of Black Sabbath, many of which, until recently, had the opportunity to ride the pentagram Netflix wave, I like to call it. This is a phenomenon that has brought you many of the forgotten struggling bands of yesterday into the mainstream due to a Netflix documentary. I'm sure you know a few bands. I call it the pentagram wave. We're going to do an episode on bands that came through like that. And they're not only Doom bands, of course. You've got bands like Anvil and guys like Rocky Erickson who came back due to appearing on Netflix. That's my theory anyway. Maybe it was other things, but it seems like you get a Netflix documentary on someone forgotten and obscure, suddenly they are filling halls and selling out in minutes. That is my explanation of the playlist we're about to launch, we're about to embark on. This is a 25-song playlist. So it's a long playlist and I'm going to do commentary as usual during the 25 songs. We're going to start from the beginning, from the primordial days of dark satanic blues where blues men of the Delta, desperate blues men sold their souls to the devil on the crossroads to the modern day condition of doom, which is still strong, stronger than ever today. So here we go. Let's get on with the playlist. This song is called Black Cat Bone from Lightning Hopkins. This is an example of primordial doom, or the blues as we call it. Lightning Hopkins was born in Texas in 1912, so you can imagine what a shithole his life was, and it shows in his music. He got his first chops at church as many early blues men did. He went to prison in the 1930s, like many blues men did. 
This song, Black Hat Bone, is recorded in the early 1950s and talks about rather dark and evil subject of hoodoo black magic. Pretty heavy for uh, white America in 1951, I would imagine. It's music with ominous lyrics and agonizing riffs like Black Cat Bone that represents the primordial roots that, of a music that would eventually become doom metal. This is the first indications of it, but these are the roots. It's dark music like this that really started doom. Next we have what this what that is by Screaming Jay Hawkins. You know this guy. A lot of fun. Screaming Jay Hawkins wasn't your average blues man. He was one of the first artists to sing with an almost operatic and sinister tone and dressed like a witch doctor vampire pimp. Without a doubt, the first evidence of shock rock. Researching Screaming Jay, I found that this guy had a far more interesting life than you would imagine. He was inspired by Paul Robeson to be an opera singer, hence his theatrical nature and elevated him far above the simple rock and blues of his contemporaries. And he was a former boxing champ in Alaska of all places. Imagine that. Known for his, his mesmerizing and drunken rendition of I Put a Spill on You, a blues classic covered by dozens. It was rumored that Screaming Jay sired over 50 children in his long and doom metal inspiring life. This next song is by the Lords and it's called Don't Mince Matter. Believe it or not, some of the first indications of doom were not of American blues or English misery, but by German efficiency. Yeah, that is right. I'm pretty sure that not even the Lords know that they played a significant role in the foundation of doom metal. With such an unusually ominous track for the mid-60s, the Lords' dark psychedelic sound featured in this track grant them a spot on this playlist. You know I could have picked the Beatles, by the way, with the She's So Heavy song to fill this particular slot, but I decided to go dig a little deeper and brought you this gem for all of you Beatles haters out there. I did it for you. Some like to call the Lords the German Beatles, but they're a little bit more than that. Either way, they're a great example of pre-Sabbath doom pioneers, if any. The Lords don't mince matter some of the many psychedelic roots of doom metal. Sorry, Beatle maniacs. Next, we have The Crazy World of Arthur Brown. This song is called The Devil's Grip. With more of a Hammond-based psychedelic blues sound lacking any guitar at all, The Crazy World of Arthur Brown featured the dominant organ sounds of Atomic Rooster's Vince Crane and toured with prog rock legends like Carl Palmer. Arthur Brown, known for his highly charting single Fire, was a frequent and generally feared opening act for many of the biggest names of the late 60s. Feared, that is, for Brown's trademark human torch act, where Brown would ignite the top of his head, which naturally led to a few mishaps during the tour. For this particular track, The Devil's Grip features a haunting, creepy organ by Cranes. Brown's ominous, occult-inspired lyrics and pioneering wails, perhaps one of the first rock artists to do so, to inspire many of dark-themed pre-doom acts of the 70s and beyond. The Crazy Royal of Arthur Brown with The Devil's Grip, Psychedelic Doom Pioneers. Next we have Black Widow. Now, like Arthur Brown, these guys really weren't guitar rock. This song is called Attack of the Demon. Black Widow might be one of the first examples of openly satanic music, and that means a lot in the doom genre. Even though these guys aren't heavy in any way, and they're sort of contemporary to Black Sabbath, uh, they more inspired the theme of Doom. 
This sort of act from England was mostly known for their stage shows featuring naked chicks being sacrificed in the name of Satan. Black Widow was a rather short-lived band. They really only made about like, one or two albums, I think, and they, I think they came back sort of recently. They sort of read that pentagram wave, I think. It would be Black Widow and other folk occult bands such as Coven who would establish the theme for the next generation of doom music. It makes me wonder why there was no satanic panic in the late 60s, early 70s, when uh, the satanic themes are right out up front instead of being supposedly subliminal. Who knows? Let's continue. Naturally, we had to include this next band if we're going to complete a doom metal playlist. This, of course, without even hearing the first note, we know what this song is. Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath from Black Sabbath. You all know this one. I would love to pick a deeper track for the music geeks, but no matter how you stack it, this is the first Doom song. There's nothing else like it in 1969. This is, of course, a overplayed Black Sabbath song, like many Black Sabbath songs from the first four albums. Black Sabbath, of course, is the most mainstream doom metal band of all time, and of course, almost metal band, most mainstream metal band of all time, even though they're not really metal. There are a lot of overplayed Black Sabbath songs I want to get into, and I think we're going to do an episode on all of the overplayed Black Sabbath songs, because there are some songs that get played till you're fucking blue in the face on the radio, and you know what the songs are, and there's other songs that need to be played, especially from their later um, perhaps a little more hard rock albums, far less doom albums. Like I said, I think Black Sabbath's first four albums are their only doom-inspiring album. Following that, it gets hard rock and prog. Of course, they're not bad albums. They're great albums, and they're criminally ignored. I think my favorite Black Sabbath album is Never Say Die. There, I said it. Haha. Never Say Die, fuckers. That's, that's um, the most interesting Sabbath album with Ozzy. Let's move on. Who are these guys? Holy shit, this is heavy. This is Sir Lord Baltimore with their song, Kingdom Come. Now I think these guys only had two albums. Very short-lived band from Brooklyn, New York. One of America's most heavy sounds in the 1970s, Sir Lord Baltimore is a power trio from Brooklyn, New York, featuring the most influential singing drummer until the days of El Duce of the Mentors. Sir Lord Baltimore may have well been the first band ever to be referred to as heavy metal. Imagine that? With much of their lyrical content focused on religion, not to mention some of the heaviest bass and guitar riffs, easily surpassing that of Sabbath at the time, yet showing little influence from their contemporary heavyweight like Sabbath. I think these guys really evolved on their own lines. The title track, Kingdom Come, which is what you're hearing, uh, has a skull-crushing riff and beat. This is a very heavy song for 1971. This, the doom metal influence in this song is unmistakable, and I think um, it's a band that really deserves a lot more credit. Sir Lord Baltimore from Brooklyn, New York with Kingdom Come. Awesome song. This next song is by a band called Jerusalem from England. The song is called Primitive Mad. These guys were produced by Deep Purple's Ian Gillen, actually, so they had a lot of hopes for these guys. They just never panned out. Like many of these bands, they were um, produced by 
well-known diet at the time. Jerusalem would also tour with all the major heavy acts of the 70s, like Sabbath and Deep Purple. This is a pretty heavy track for 1972, and it would be featured on their only release, a self-titled release called Jerusalem. It's really a shame that bands like Jerusalem and a lot of the other bands we're going to go over in this era were completely forgotten and only got about one album. We only got about one album out of these guys. And Jerusalem's a perfect example of that. And this is a pretty heavy song. I mean, if you listen to that, I can't, of course, I can't be quiet and let you totally hear it or we might get a BRM. I really did a lot of research to find these obscure bands. And it's a shame that they never made it anywhere. They disappeared into obscurity. But that's always the best bands. Primitive Man by Jerusalem. This is a song by more forgotten heroes of doom metal, of pre-doom metal. This band is called Bang, and this song is called The Queen. Bang was from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Another super heavy power trio with an unfortunately brief existence. This band had a debut album that would be considered too heavy and had to be shelved by the label of 1970. The Queen is a track from their self-titled sophomore album because their first album you, you actually uh, couldn't hear. I'm pretty sure you can get it now, but, but it's too damn heavy. It was too heavy. It was heavier than a supernova. It was heavier than your mom. It was just too much. Bang would briefly uh, reform in the early 2000s attempting to catch the pentagram wave, but unfortunately nothing really came of it. So this was Bang with The Queen. Uh, another band forgotten and needs to be recognized in the formation of doom metal and all metal. I hope we're all learning about very obscure and very important bands in the doom metal genre today. That's why I'm finding this, why I do research here. In Search of Forgotten Music with Maledictus. This next band is called Iron Claw from Scotland, and the song is Skull Crusher. Finally, some well-deserved heavy music from Scotland. Now, how come there are no other doom bands from Scotland? There's a lot of metal bands from Scotland. There would be a lot of metal bands from Scotland, but not too many doom bands. Seems like a doomy kind of place, don't you think? They drink, they drink scotch whiskey, drink powerful beer, and they like to fight. Should be a doom kind of place, right? Iron Claw got their name from the rhyming lyrics in the verse of 21st Century Schizoid Man by King Crimson. I'm not gonna sing it for you. Skull Crusher is just another example of an obscure, doom-inspiring band of the early 70s that were not Black Sabbath. It's really fun to learn about obscure music. That's what we're doing today. I think I'm teaching you, and we're learning together, about all the bands that really inspired the doom genre that might have been eclipsed by Black Sabbath. Remember, Black Sabbath is going on at the time, so no one has any time for bands like Iron Claw, Bang, Jerusalem, or Lord Baltimore. It's unfortunate that facts are so sketchy and difficult to find on these bands. I'd really like to learn more. I really have to go really in depth with the research because uh, there's not too much available. But maybe one day we'll find these archaic tones. We are now in new wave of British heavy metal doom. This is where doom came about. This is the first indication of doom. This band is called Sirith Ungol, and it's called A Little Fire. These guys are from California, not from England, not from Germany, not from Sweden. In sunny California, and they're making doom before they were St. Vitus. New wave of British heavy metal era doom band from the American side is a good description of Sirithung. The band took their name from a mountain bass in the epic fantasy Lord of the Rings, a, a novel that is, might be the ultimate influence, the ultimate literary influence on doom metal and probably all metal at large. I think all metal 
and it's ultimately based on Lord of the Rings, isn't it? Whether it's black metal or death metal or doom metal or Led Zeppelin, they all like it. Based on their album artwork cover featuring uh, these Frank Frazetta-like artwork, I don't know if it's actually Frank Frazetta that did the artwork on their album covers, but it involves a lot of fantasy artwork, something you find in Conan. And this was before Man of War, so there. Sirith Uncle is probably comprised of a bunch of guys that were really into playing D&D and that really loved Lord of the Rings and read a lot of Conan novels from uh, Robert Howard and were into that sort of uh, old barbarian fantasy thing. And I think that's what makes up a lot of doom metal is the love of fantasy and demons. Books about fantasy and demons. So Sirith Uncle really uh, captures that whole theme of doom. If it's not Satan and the occult, it's about uh, barbarians and magic. So that could comprise Doom as well. And I think these guys really represent that part of Doom Metal to come. So once again, this is Sirius Ungle with A Little Fire. And this, of course, is a Doom band in the new wave of British heavy metal era. And once again, an example of criminally obscure music. I like to cover these guys. This is Witchfinder General with a different song this time. Burning a Sinner. These guys, of course, are from England. This motley group of devout Sabbath worshippers would receive well-deserved credit for their huge influence in the Doom scene well after their breakup, which is probably the case of most of the bands we're covering here today in this playlist. They were forgotten when they were contemporary and they were discovered later. Um, they have a lot of songs about witches and burning witches and drugs. So they really got all the bases covered for doom metal and can also be pioneers of stoner rock as well. Uh, they have a very unique sound, a very dark and unique sound, and they're not afraid to up the tempo. They're not a slow doom band. I don't think slow doom bands really existed that much back then. Uh, bands were very dynamic with their tempos back then, and Witchfinder General is no different. But Witchfinder General only recorded about three albums. Yet another short-lived and obscure band with such a significant influence on doom metal forever. We're in trouble now, people. It's trouble. These guys, of course, are the definition of doom metal in the 1980s. And I believe they're still playing today. They are from Aurora, Illinois. Doesn't sound like a doesn't seem like a very doomy place. Seems like the suburbs of Chicago. But nevertheless, they probably had pretty good reason to be a doom man being from the suburbs of Chicago. Obviously, more Sabbath worship is occurring here. There's no doubt about it. As a band with such a religious overtone in many of their songs, Trouble had been apparently falsely accused of being a Christian band or white metal. However, they claim it wasn't true. They really love Satan. I mean, why would they tour with Merciful Fate then? I think Christian bands don't generally like to be near Merciful Fate. Just ask Dave Mustaine. But Trouble went for more of a psychedelic doom sound. They were very hippie-like in a way. In addition to their uh, devout level of Sabbath worship, they also are psychedelic worshippers. Now, despite their lack of mainstream recognition, Trouble would go on to release eight studio albums to this day, and they still tour to this day. Perhaps Trouble was one of the very first Doom pioneers to actually have a consistent, slow-tempo Doom sound. Uh, you could say other bands that formed in the early 80s, like Trouble, might have been having, uh, might have been playing a more New Wave British heavy metal era sound, which tended to go a lot speed metal, even if they were had Doomy lyrics. Trouble was always slow. 
Here we have uh, Eric Wagner, the vocalist, and his uh, trademark scratchy vocals. He's almost like a scratchy-voiced Ozzy in a way, but this is Trouble with Revelation. St. Vitus. How can you forget St. Vitus? These guys are the definition of doom in the 80s. With that sound, that Dave Chandler sound, his guitar sound is unmistakable. A lot of people think that's Wino playing. Wino's not playing. Wino is just singing for St. Vitus. Wino plays guitar like a madman for the obsessed. And Scott Weinrich, Wino, joined this band in 1986. And that's when this album came out. The song's called Born Too Late. A uh, pretty good theme of uh, doom metal. Well, uh, it's about being a dirty hippie and everyone making fun of you. I think a lot of you could relate to that. These guys are from California. Wino's from Maryland. And uh, Wino really uh, gave a lot of the recognition to these guys. They had an original singer called Scott Riekers, who was in the band today, apparently. I believe he rejoined the band recently since Wino went back to The Obsessed, which is going very well. Uh, and why don't I have The Obsessed here? Because I just didn't have room for them. I'd rather put St. Vitus in The Obsessed. Because Obsessed was around back then as well. However, uh, we're going to do St. Vitus. Now, um, St. Vitus... Uh, was actually on Black Flag's SST records, which is very odd for the time, but it's about Yeah, another Doom pioneer that didn't really get any significant recognition until long after they broke up. But like I said, St. Vitus exists to this day. They reunited and obviously everyone loves them now, as many of these bands are very fashionable today. These guys took their name from these Black Sabbath songs, St. Vitus' Dance, and of course the club in Brooklyn took their name from these guys. St. Vitus, born too late. Riff, please. This riff is unmistakable. This riff is the most epic riff in doom metal ever. This, of course, is Candlemass with Bewitched. These guys are in their own genre. This is Epicus Doomicus Metallicus of doom metal. And they are the only ones that get to be in this, uh, this, this rather uh, arbitrary category of doom metal with their epic vocalist at the time, Messiah Markelin. Uh, believe it or not, was only in the band for brief period in the 80s and 90s. He really didn't serve this whole band's career. And the band is still playing today uh, with a different singer. But there's no mistake about Candlemass. Um, they are from Sweden. They really uphold the doom scene in Sweden. When we think of two metal in the 80s, it is Candlemass with this song. And it's that riff. That riff is just epic. There's something about it. That's the way it comes in. Of course, you gotta see the video. The best thing about this song is the amazing video. It has a dance. It has a dance associated with it. I think it's called the Cemetery Stomp. By far the best metal video ever made. You probably didn't see it on MTV back then. However, they made a video and you can see it on YouTube and you will have a new appreciation for Candlemass once you see this video. Candlemass, of course, is still playing to this day. Unfortunately, not with the great Messiah Marklin, but nevertheless, they are keeping the doom flame alight. Oh, Matthew Hopkins. Funny meeting you here. We were just talking about you in the last episode. This song is by Cathedral. Now, Cathedral, of course, is a very special band. They, they really um, elevated Doom into the 90s. These guys are really more of a 90s band. And this was the first Doom metal I ever, I ever heard when I was a kid. Cathedral was really my first introduction into Doom. And this is led by a guy named Lee Dorian, who's still in the scene today. He owns, he started the record label, the 1980s um, Rise Above Records, which really covers a lot of doom bands, really upholds the entire genre, has escalated the entire genre. He was in a band called Napalm Death before this, so he was in the grindcore scene, he was in the punk rock scene, 
and he is in a band called With the Dead Now, which is, has more of an electric wizard sound, a lot heavier than this. Uh, doom metal back then wasn't ready to be heavy yet in the early 90s, but it would get there by the end of the 90s and get very heavy. And that's where we're going next. Cathedral with Hopkins. Relax. It's the 90s. We made it. Doom metal made it into the 90s, and it would only grow bigger. This band is called Sleep, but they won't put you to sleep. Um, they are from San Jose, California, a bunch of fucking hippies. And they, one might consider them stoner rock, and I agree, they are stoner rock. However, we are going to include them in the doom metal playlist because of their omnipresent influence on both genres, both stoner and doom. They are well accepted in doom, even though they don't sing about Satan, they sing about drugs and space and things like that. However, they get to be in this countdown, in this playlist. So, Sleep was so ridiculous, they were known, they have been known to, they were rumored to, well, maybe it's not a rumor, it's probably true, they spent $75,000 on boutique orange amps and Ampeg SVTs because they are ridiculous. And like we mentioned Matt Pike before, who was the guitar player for Sleep, um, with Alsa Snarrows on bass and vocals, who went to form another ridiculous band called Om, who sings about some sort of religious mumbo-jumbo that I have no understanding of. And of course, Matt Pike, who is in High on Fire currently, the most ridiculous guitar player in Doom. Uh, Sleep is um, today a major phenomenon. They have reunited recently. And of course, they are um, the kind of band that will sell out places kind of instantly. They have this major appeal. I'm not sure where it came from, but they have, there's a huge resurgence in sleep worship. I don't know, maybe because Henry Rollins said he dug them or something like that. That always happens. This is Funeral Doom. Yes, Thurgathon from Finland uh, was a very short-lived, pioneering funeral doom metal band this song is called everlasting um the song is not everlasting it's not too long it's not like a a drone doom song right it still has drums and as you can hear these guys support the use of synths and keyboards and things like that so they're a little more progressive than your average doom band and uh perhaps a little less sabbath worshiping as they are playing some very depressing dismal music and perhaps this music has a use, you're feeling this way, you're feeling pretty down, you wanna just go along with it, you wanna drink, you wanna get a, smoke some weed, you wanna get down with this song. It will bring you down. That's why they call it Funeral Doom. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's kind of dead, you know? Just like Thurgathon, they didn't last very long. They only have about two or three albums out. And um, they, uh, however, they left a major impact in Funeral Doom Metal. And that seems to be a genre that comes from Finland. I mean, I think most funeral doom metal comes from Finland and, of course, Lyndhurst, New Jersey, which I found very interesting. Uh, nevertheless, this is Thurgathon. And I remember being annoyed by this song back in the early 90s when my friend played it for me. Thurgathon with Everlasting. The Wizard... Electric Wizard with Barbarian, uh, taken from the, <laughs> that sample there is from Conan the Barbarian. Um, you can't get more Sabbath worshipping than these guys, only they take it to a new level of heavy. Uh, these guys have a lot of songs about Satan and drugs together. Some might consider them stoner rock, but they are doomed. They are pretty uh, tongue-in-cheek satanic doom. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not Satan worshippers, they're just having a good time and drinking a lot. 
Now, these guys are still around today. Of course, they are a major influence on Doom. They came about in the early 90s um, on the whole Rise Above Records scene. I believe uh, Lee Dorian has a lot to do with the formation of these guys. And um, they got a lot heavier as time went on as opposed to like, they started as a more of a normal sounding cathedral-like band and really evolved with this album, Dope Throne, which really changed their sound and really introduced their sound into a very heavy form of doom, which still goes today. Uh, this is probably uh, the album everyone talks about. This is their legendary album, Dope Throne, um, for good reason. It would be this album that set the tone for the rest of Doom from this point on. This sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like we've been here before. Sounds like that same uh, field we were on when we were hearing Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. It's like, it was like recorded in the same place by that church. That's how extreme Sabbath worshippers Church of Misery are. This, of course, is Church of Misery with their song Cloud Bed. Now, Church of Misery, as Sabbath worshippers, uh, take it to a different level. These guys like to sing about serial killers. In fact, all their songs are named after serial killers. Except for this one. This one's a little earlier. But currently, they have that entire serial killer theme. This is a Japanese doom metal band. Uh, the Japanese take this stuff very seriously. How else can I phrase it? Uh, bands like this or Boris, I mean, they take it to a fanatical level, which is amazing, right? There's no doubt about it. These guys are a major influence on doom metal to come, and this was back in the 1990s, this song. So in a way, you get to learn about famous serial killers when you listen to Church of Misery, a fine example of one of the great doom bands from Japan. This is Drone Doom. This is Sun, spelled Sun. Oh, Prency, 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 after the defunct amplifier brand that uh, many a doom meddler obsesses over for some reason. This song is called FWTBT, and don't ask me what that stands for. All I know is this song is very long, only has like two chords and no drums. It's binary, zeros and ones. That's what Sun likes to give you. If you have a lot of time in your hands, Sun is your band. These guys are from Seattle, Washington. They play very loudly in drop A to give you a monolithic soundscape. It reminds me of just giant black stone monoliths. Uh, their stage show is something else though. They come out on stage draped in robes with an atmospheric fog before an ominous backdrop in a massively loud sound. What makes up for their very slow music is a great visual show. Uh, there's no doubt about it. These guys are the masters of drone doom. Some might call this experimental doom, but there isn't really too many experiments taking place when you're just playing two different chords at a very loud volume and a complete absence of any kind of beat whatsoever. Heavier than a collapsed star, sun. Welcome to the 21st century of doom metal. Well, this particular band called Graveyard from Gothenburg, Sweden, with their song Blue Soul, isn't exactly doom metal. Now, if I had a dime for every band from Gothenburg, Sweden that was trying to sound like they were from the 1970s, well, I might have a cup of coffee. 
uh, it has a neo-psychedelic sound, which is pretty big with the Gothenburg scene right now. If you listen to a lot of Swedish bands, maybe like Horizon or Witchcraft, they have a similar sound to this. Uh, you might call this doom rock. Now, with a band with such a more radio-friendly sound, uh, Graveyard had gotten more recognition from mainstream publications like Rolling Stones and were featured at South by Southwest, which is not what happens with your average doom band. These guys are, think of them as the doom of the new century. They're a little bit more trying to get into the mainstream, one might say. A little less Satan, um, a little more perhaps folk, a little more rock sound. Uh, not really my cup of tea, but I had to give these guys um, a shout out because uh, they're an important part of what's going on with the scene. So there we are, Graveyard with Blue Soul. This next band is a very fine example of modern-day Sabbath worship. However, these guys are also guilty of Beatles worship. Beatles, yes. They all sound like an evil conglomeration between Sabbath and the Beatles, but I also hear a lot of Stooges and even some old Pink Floyd in their sound as well, if you really listen. But Uncle Acid has a very occult-based and murdery theme. Sort of like a, a lot of lyrics about Charles Manson and murderous pretty girls with nice smiles. But the sound could be easily described as simply evil. It's almost like a Herschel Gordon Lewis movie meets Black Sabbath in a way. Uh, but these guys are known for using, taking their sound very seriously and using only the oldest authentic equipment to create the sound that you hear. I imagine there's no other way to actually make that with by digital means. It's all got to be real. I had uh, got to see these guys uh, a few years ago at the Stone Pony, and I'll tell you, they were the loudest band I have ever heard. My hearing is still damaged from going to the Uncle Aston and Decade concert. So, uh, one of uh, this band is such a unique sound, though. We really have to give these guys credit as carriers of the flames of Black Sabbath and beyond. So Uncle Aston the Dead Beast with 13 candles. Cross your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentation of the women. This is Conan. They are a British, very heavy doom metal band from Liverpool, England, uh, the home of some other bands. And uh, they are known as, they are categorized for, if you want to get really specific, as Caveman Battle Doom. And I think that's a pretty good name for guys like these. Uh, this song is titled Horns for Teeth. Um, yeah, it sounds very barbaric, doesn't it? Like, hence their name, Conan. They are the most barbaric band in all of Doom. These guys are a very fine example of what is very heavy these days in modern Doom metal. Uh, there's no doubt about it. These guys are upholding the heavy sound, and they're keeping it simple. Now, Conan is a good example of a heavy doom band of today that is on a pretty meteoric rise. They've been getting a lot of press lately. They're really getting recognized. So it's good that this kind of heavy music that might be based on more of a sludge sound from America, in a way, um, is really getting a lot of recognition today. So once again, this is Conan with... Horns for teeth. Krom, grant me revenge. And if you do not listen, then the hell with you.
This next band is called Windhand, and they are from Richmond, Virginia. Guar Town, that is. And these guys are a good example of modern day doom metal in most recent times. Now, these guys have a very heavy guitar sound, like a lot of typical doom bands these days. Uh, very atmospheric vocals, very uh, echo ridden, very wet vocals given to us by the wonderful Dorothea Cottrell. This particular track is titled Two Urns, and this song is off of their Grief's Infernal Flower album, which is uh, their latest album. Windhand might be a perfect example of the current state of doom metal in modern day. They still have a very heavy sound, however, they've taken a more sort of mainstream friendly uh, approach to lyrics and the themes. Um, not so satanic, maybe sort of a more tongue-in-cheek witchcraft theme. Uh, this kind of stuff works for a lot of people. And I think that's the general direction of where a lot of doom metal is going these days. And that has been the 25 song playlist on the evolution of doom metal. And you can find this particular playlist if you'd like to listen to it on your own on Google Play Music uh, titled uh, Episode 7, uh, The Evolution of Doom Metal, and that's again on Google Play Music. Please check it out. Uh, I should probably get a Spotify account too. It might be a little bit easier for most people to get on Spotify rather than Google Play. But anyway, that has been the playlist. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we tried to cover all eras of Doom Metal as best as I can. If you have any problems with any of the songs I picked, uh, please give me a shout out at herelivesmetal at gmail.com. I would love to hear your opinion on this episode. This, of course, was Doom Metal, and I promise you we will cover Stoner Metal another time, but maybe we should do something else next week. Maybe we shouldn't go right to Stoner Metal. We'll get to something else next week. And we'll come back to Stoner Metal because there's a lot going on there, too. However, I believe it takes a different path than Doom Metal for the most part. There are some bands that cross over into both, like we talked about Sleep before. They can exist in both, but most bands are either one or the other. You're either satanic or you're on drugs, or maybe both, but, you know, Satan always wins. So, this has been the podcast for the evolution of doom metal. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Now let's get to the credits. Uh, thanks again for listening to the Here My... Thanks again for listening to the Here Lies Metal podcast. Uh, be sure to follow us on all social media, including Twitter at Here Lies Metal, Facebook at Here Lies Metal, Instagram at Metal Lies Here, and contact us at Gmail, uh, Here Lies Metal at gmail.com. Give us an opinion. Uh, tell us about yourself. Tell us about how you love or hated this episode. Tell us about how you like my playlist or you didn't like my playlist. Uh, engage with us. Talk to us, and I will talk about you on the air or on the internet. It's not really the air anymore now, is it? Now... Once again, uh, be sure to subscribe to Here Lies Metal on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And don't forget to rate us, even if you hate us. This podcast sucks. Only you have the power to destroy me. And once again, it is my passion to bring you, the listener, these tales of metal. And if you'd like to support this podcast, uh, your donations are highly appreciated. Uh, you could do that on Patreon forward slash Here Lies Metal. And give us a quarter, give us a dollar, give us five dollars, give us ten dollars, give us a zillion dollars, but do it for metal. Now, I want to thank you guys for listening and thank uh, my group of fanboys out there. Got a couple of fans of this show and they're really giving me a lot of good feedback. I'd mentioned them before, so you guys keep listening. And uh, if you want any things, funny shows, 
Want anything to talk about? You want any subjects that you guys want to hear about? Let me know. Email me, gmail at um, herelessmetal at gmail.com. Thank you very much once again for listening. And this once again has been the Here Lies Metal podcast with your host inscribed to all metal, Maledictus. I will be back with you next week with something interesting without a doubt. Uh, in the meantime, give me your feedback. Let me know what you want to hear about. and Maybe we could do it together, people. Here lies metal at gmail.com. I wish you all the most metal week you've ever had, and hopefully we have better news next week. Goodbye.